The Action Network Podcast, named Best Betting Podcast or Radio Show by the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association, and the number one show for the invested sports fan. All right, here we go. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Action Network Podcast. This is the college football betting preview week three. I'm stuck in with me as always is Colin Wilson. Still not the slate we desire, but those are coming and it's still a slate. Are you excited for week three? I don't care if it's Campbell. I don't care if it's Abilene Christian. I don't care what it is. It's a slate. But, you know, if you're, if you're kind of a casual college football fan, maybe get a nap in. Because the way things are looking, we're going to be balls to the wall with college football ramping up here with SEC, Big Ten. And if the MAC gets its way, we may be playing football until April. April college football podcast. Sounds good to me. Yeah, I mean, things are about to get crazy. I don't I mean, in the fall, I don't have time to sleep with NFL, college football, tennis. And now, like we have at the end of this month, we are, we're going to have baseball playoffs going on at the same time as the French Open with like SEC back, and uh, it's crazy. Masters, I mean, it's the <laughs> Preakness, it's it's craziness. Like there's going to be two the Wednesday and Thursday where there's like eight playoff games, eight baseball playoff games a day. So October is going to make up for all of that time we had to suffer through betting Nicaraguan soccer and Aussie rules. Also, the other good, the other news that came in this week, the big news on the college football front, is unfortunately for our friend, Mr. Jim Harbaugh, our friend, Bodog Jim. Don't gamble. Don't associate with gamblers. Avoid it like the the plague. Let's check in with Bodog Jim. We're going to get the bet. Big 10 football, it looks like. And then now maybe the Mac... It, the Pac-12 looks like it's not going to happen. Because I don't know how it's all going to work out with the college football playoff, and it's going to be crazy. But um, we will find time to preview those teams throughout. We still have another, you know, over a month until they come back. But you got to be excited to get the Big Ten and the Midwest crowd back in the fold, right? A little piece of me will die if Hawaii's not a part of that Mountain West package, you know? Because, I mean, there, there's a couple teams that are still a little – we don't know in the Mountain West. I think there's three or four teams on the list that said they don't know if they're going to come back even if the conference says it's we're going to. And Hawaii was on that list. As far as the Pac-12 goes, I mean, they've got other things going on besides COVID. Uh, looks like the Big Ten's all bought in. I'm actually a really big fan of something that Bodog Jim thought of, which is for the championship game in the Big Ten, we'll just have all the seeds from the East and the West, no longer the leaders and the legends, play each other. Right. So potentially Wisconsin, Ohio State, then like a Penn State. And yeah, I don't know. You can name it over there on that side. Nebraska, uh, you know, whoever. But uh, I think it's great. I mean, people are complaining that we're going to get a Rutgers and Illinois game on December 19th. That's the greatest gambling thing you could. That's better than a bowl game. That's better than a, a lot of bowl games. So I'll take it. 
we welcome any and all sports additions to the calendar after March getting canceled in the summer we went through. And obviously we hope it all happens safely. I'm glad I didn't take a flyer on, you know, Central Florida, thinking that because there's only, you know, three power fives, that if like the Big 12 cannibalizes itself and Central Florida goes undefeated, you would assume that you're going to get four power five teams now. You're either going to get the most logical ways to take the conference champion from each conference or you know if two teams in the sec dominate and one of the conferences cannibalize itself you could take two from the sec or maybe you know notre dame and and clemson so uh, i'm glad i didn't do that i'm gonna have to wait for the schedules to come out to really tell in the big 10 we'll get to those uh, call enough content out on action network app and actionnetwork.com so make sure you check that out and we'll find time uh over the next month or so to make sure that we cover the big 10 and uh all the fall from the schedule and what that means from both a conference and national perspective you mentioned camel. We're going to get to the humps. What, roll humps, I think is the, the slogan, which we'll get to. My hump, my hump, my hump. Check it out. Uh, on Friday Night Lights, we'll get to Saturday's card. But before we do that, if you want a chance to win uh, a free Vegas vacation and other prizes, don't forget to enter the Action Pods Tournament of Champions presented by BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast. It's a free weekly Yahoo DFS tournament. And it's, we debuted it this season specifically for you guys, our podcast listeners. And you can join just by clicking on the link in the episode description. And the top 10 finishers last week received over $1,000 worth of Action Network prizes. The top five punched their ticket to the wildcard weekend grand finale. And if you get to that, you know, five every week do. So make sure you enter it every week. There's no rake and it's free to enter. Uh, you compete for the grand prize, which is a, a Vegas trip for two valued at over $5,000 courtesy of BetMGM. Uh, and every week's a brand new game. So even if, if you miss one, you can enter um, a week thereafter. Again, just click on the link in our episode description. Okay, so let's get to Saturday's card. Um, let's start out with a couple situational spots. Hangovers, sleepers, and the dreaded sandwich spot. Is it time to look ahead or look away? Let's start with some sandwich spots. We sure have a lot of sandwiches, 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 sandwiches. Uh, For those not familiar, this is just, you know, we talk about, we always start our episode with some situational angles. You know, will a team have a letdown? Will they be caught looking ahead? Will they pull their starters sooner? Was there lack of prep? Doesn't always mean that there's an angle there, but worth bringing up. And obviously it ultimately comes down to the number and the value that that number provides. Uh, But the first one that we have here is Wake Forest. So Wake Forest last week, uh, as everyone saw, played – well, I don't know if everyone saw because it was kind of a boring game. They played Clemson in a game that they lost 37-13. They put a couple scores up late. Game was never really close. This week, they traveled to NC State, and this will be the Wolfpack's first game of the year. NC State has a lot of questions here. Uh, But Wake Forest – plays this game in between Clemson last week and hosting Notre Dame next week. I don't know if you have necessarily have as many look-aheads or letdowns this year compared to to most. It's such an unprecedented year. Kids are just happy to be playing. There's fewer games. But, you know, have to ask the question here, is this a good spot to back NC State in their first game of the year? I think it is. I, I'm going to be backing NC State. I just want to see what the line is going to do because after we've kind of been hanging in a field goal and two and a half, there's been some 
two's popping up at, play, at uh, Bet MGM right now. The the line is NC State minus two and a half. This is a game that I make minus eight, and I know a lot of that is based upon Wake Forest losing a ton of production. Uh, we talked about it in last week's pod about what they were going up against with Clemson. Uh, you know, dead nut under game considering they couldn't contribute any points at the beginning and they just didn't have any weapons to do any, you know, to get anything on the board. And if you look at NC State, they actually have a lot of returning production on both sides of the ball. It's just not a very successful group of players uh, in terms of success rate offensively and defensively. You know, all things aside, say we weren't in a pandemic and say the COVID wasn't around and say that we didn't have all these opt-outs, we would have lined this game at, at, at NC State minus eight. My problem with this week, and we're going to find this theory going all throughout all these games, do I want to back my cash into a team that's on their first game of the season against a team that's already had a game? Or in the case of like UTEP and Abilene Christian, a team that's on its third game versus a team that's on its first game. I think it's a huge leg up to already have a game. We've seen it in years past where teams play in week zero. They go on to week one. Uh, generally, they cover the spread. I think that's a good little Bet Labs research project that I'll have to get onto. But I, I do want to back NC State in this game. I'll probably get involved. I'm a, you know, Line watcher setup on Sports Insights. We'll see. I don't want it to clip three. Uh, probably end up, uh, you know, taking this game maybe outright if, if it's cheap enough. Fair enough. I would also give a, a look to the under here. I don't have a strong feel on the side just because I don't think – I don't have a good read on NC State. It's a team that I'm down on. And you're right. That is one of the keys to the early season uh, in 2020. It's how much does a team getting a game in after a shortened summer, losing spring, shortened preparation, how much does that give them a leg up playing against a team that hasn't played yet? So if I had to bet that, I'd look under. I know that number has yeah. been dropping. Yeah, first half yeah. under has been money with these these teams that are you know really looking for an identity at the beginning of the season. So yeah, I agree. Um, all right, well let's let's also move on to some uh, potential letdown spots, which I do think it's still a little bit more relevant than looking ahead to the following week this year. And the first one that jumps out, Georgia Tech, that BetMGM, they are uh, juice seven and a half point underdogs over under 63, hosting Central Florida. Last week, Georgia Tech pulled off a pretty stunning upset of Florida State 16-13 in an ugly one. Uh, They also have a conference game on deck next week at Syracuse. Uh, UCF, were, I think it's ranked 14th in the country. We're both, I think, high on them in the conference. I think that I like their secondary. Uh, their offense is obviously going to go fast, and they have a ton of talent on the offense side of the ball. They did have some opt-outs, hurt their depth a little bit, uh, in a couple starters in the interior. But this team is really good. They're going to go really fast. And last year they were really unlucky. You know, the, the games that they lost were all one possession and really could have went either way. So Georgia Tech, after that win against Florida State, catching a touchdown, seven, seven and a half at home. Do you have uh, any desire to go and back the Ramblin' Wreck here? No, no Georgia Tech for me this week. I, I can tell everybody loves Georgia Tech this week, uh, not just by ticket and money line and, and, and number of dollars bet, but because I'm getting calls from friends, family, my grandmother, Georgia Tech beat Florida State. Obviously, they could beat Central Florida. Uh, it's really kind of the theme for everybody. But, you know, let, let's break this down a little bit. Georgia Tech uh, improved pace of play. They, they were running 24 seconds per play. That's one second off of Miami with Brett Lashley and Derek King's pace. Uh, so Georgia Tech, if they get some success with Jeff Sims, the quarterback, and they can start making points out of getting past the 40-yard line, out of finishing drives offensively, we've got ourselves a sneaky over team 
that the odds makers may take a while to catch up to. Now, obviously, this game at 63, 63 and a half at BetMGM, uh, that's up there for a Georgia Tech game. But that's backed by the fact that Central Florida plays the fastest pace in the country. And and Heupel has made it you know, very clear that he always wants to be the fastest team in the country. Jeff Sims for Georgia Tech last week had five passes greater than 15 yards. He went 64% uh, success rate in standard downs. That's fantastic for a Georgia Tech offense. Uh, Jeff Collins' havoc defenses, he had it at Temple as a head coach. He had it at Florida as a defensive coordinator. Last week, Georgia Tech, six tackles for loss, seven pass breakups, two forced fumbles. Uh, this is a sandwich spot. They have Syracuse on deck. They're 1-0 in ACC play. Who knows? I kind of agree with, with Stuck when we talk about, do these kids have overlook? I mean, we're all just trying to get caught up here. Like, I mean, these games are being announced two, three days ahead. How am I going to have overlooked next week when I when this just got scheduled? Like, you know, I, I feel like everything is day to day, and I bet the players feel like that too. You know, one thing on Central Florida, they had more plays of 30-plus yards than anybody in FBS last year in 2019. I think I'm going to be backing the Knights here. I, I don't like backing teams on game one versus teams on game two. It's a, it's a smaller wager, but I am backing Central Florida here. I uh, want the seven, not the seven and a half. Uh, I actually make this game 11. And the 10 players that opted out for Central Florida, it was an offensive lineman. Daryl Mack Jr. was big in third downs and red zone opportunities. Uh, other than that, Gabriel's back with all of his weapons. The pace of play should be frenetic. So everything to me screams over and, and takes Central Florida. Yeah, and who, and if, if there's conditioning issues, and that game was just a slugfest last week with Georgia Tech, maybe you see that in the second half where UCF can extend. So I'm not sure if I'll get involved pregame unless this goes under seven, but I might be looking UCF live or second half. Um, where I am, I am making an exception to my rule and being a hypocrite a few different times this week, taking teams on their first game. One of them is uh, against a letdown spot, and that's Georgia State, which right now is plus 16 and a half. They're hosting in their season opener, Louisiana Lafayette. And Louisiana is coming off a huge win, one of their biggest wins in program history when they went up and stomped at Iowa State. Well, number one, there's just value in this number. I think you and I both make it around 14, right? Mm-hmm. So if you can get 17, there's just value in the number right away. I actually was pretty high on Georgia State coming into the year. Very experienced team. They lost Dan Ellington, but, you know, Quad Brown is dual-threat quarterback. He's got a cannon of an arm. He can run. And they bring everybody back, everybody else on that offense back. All of his weapons, four offensive linemen, number 12 rushing offense in the nation last year, record-setting offense. They just have to replace the quarterback. And I think Quad Brown is capable enough to come in and, and step in for, for Ellington. On the defense, the defense was awful last year. Really bad. But they bring almost everyone back. They have nine starters back. They bring in a couple transfers to help. So I think it's going to be a defense that's improved. ULL, I, I just – after that huge win, I mean, they're crying after the game. I mean, it's just – it's going to be hard for them to avoid a letdown against Georgia State. Add on to that – just the number has value, I think, maybe as a result of that win last week. But if you dig into that into that win, I think it said more about Iowa State, who does get off the slow starts and has these just clunkers every year. Last week, ULL got two turnovers, a kick return for a touchdown, and they won 31-14 despite being outgained 303-272. to So they only had 270 yards. Iowa State was also one for three on fourth down. I mean, Iowa State should have lost to an FCS school to start the year last year when they didn't go for two. So, I mean, I think it just said more about Iowa State and their inability to get off to fast starts before Brocktober. 
So Georgia State also the strength of that defense is their linebackers, which I think will play against the ULL rushing attack, which is what they want to do on offense. So give me the 17 here with the Panthers in their in their home opener. A little nervous that it's the first game of the year, but it's a really experienced team with an experienced staff. So there's a lot of continuity there, which gives me a little more confidence. Do you agree? Yeah, I 100% back everything you're saying. And, and let me go a little bit deeper. I mean, ULL was backed by the fact they had two special teams touchdowns. So that's, you know, there's just a huge discrepancy in hidden Pretty yards. Big. I went a little bit deeper on the offensive line. The craziest discrepancies I've ever seen. They had five offensive linemen with over 900 snaps. And then they had like four other offensive linemen that had like 60 snaps. Now of those five offensive linemen that had 900 snaps last year, one of them, their college time expired. So they returned four offensive linemen that had at least 900 plays under their belt. Uh, so if you're going to stick a freshman quarterback, but you know, now that Dan, the man Ellington is gone, I think he's on the coaching staff. Uh, but you know, if you're going to stick a freshman quarterback, this is the offensive line. You want to do it. Stuck's right. 83% of the D comes back for the Panthers. 110th and success rate, Eesh, not good. Um, you know, ULL, I would say this should be a layup, but we've seen Georgia State do things before. Tennessee, they have a good, strong offensive line, plenty of experience. Uh, they get everything back on defense, although it may not be quality. It's Sunbelt quality. So, yeah, I agree. This line I have, at, I think, 14, 14 and a half. So, yeah, 17 is where I would uh, want to play it if I play it. It's. I think this is one of those Saturday morning, is the steam going to come in? And if it is... Give me that inflated number. Fair enough. I'll be on Georgia. I'm already on Georgia State plus 17. So let's hope Quad Brown can get it done. All right. The last spot that I wanted to talk about today, we have to talk about the method of voicemails we got. Reminder, voicemail, <laughs> go to my Twitter profile, Stucky, to call all weekend, bitch, moan, cry, yell uh, about any games you bet or we liked or didn't like and light up the voicemail for Monday's podcast episode. Uh, we got to talk meet me. Meet me. UTSA, uh, Meet Meet came through, Colin, for you and a lot of uh, our listeners and Action App followers. They ended up winning 51-48 in overtime over the Bobs over Texas State. Now they welcome in Stephen F. Austin. And after that big win, you know, next week they host Memphis. So this game is – and that's on Friday night, I believe. Yeah, Memphis on Friday night is – what that game is scheduled for. So Stephen F. Austin in between, it's, uh, hey, are they really going to get up for this game? Is it an emotional letdown? Uh, our projection at uh, Action Network is 11 and a half. You can find them. I think I've seen them out there around UTSA, around a little over two touchdown favorites. Are you going back to your meet me boys or are you fading them this week? What are your thoughts here? Uh, I love UTSA. You know, that was a great game last week. It was a game in which I got a little bit nervous with all the the units and the the money that I had, you know, the, the commas in my bet size that I had down on, on Meet Meet last week. So I got nervous, and around the early third quarter, I put a money line bet in on Texas State at plus 650. Uh, and if that kicker <laughs> would have hit his PAT, I'd hit both sides of it. But I digress. UTSA didn't go to overtime and blow it for everybody which is good news. Uh, as far as this week goes, UTSA showed us uh, that they are a heavy, heavy rush team. Uh, they're going to be one of the heaviest rush teams in the country. Uh, I think they're going to be rushing out of passing downs plenty. Uh, you know, this overtime victory with Memphis on deck, we don't know if they're going to be able to get up for it. You know, Stephen F. Austin is on a two-week break. This isn't their first game. They're on a two-week break after a 10-point loss to UTEP after they led the game 14-3. to UTEP had some Hocus pocus circus shit go on to, to get them that win. But Stephen F. Austin, they're just, they're dreadful. They were terrible in that game against UTEP. Their average starting field position was the 16 yard line. They had two turnovers. 
They had minus 189 hidden yards, which is your starting field position and penalties. Uh, I think the game's going to go under. I, I, Stephen F. Austin scoring points. Good luck with that. UTSA heavy rush attack, and I only get six days prepared to host Memphis, a, a huge game. Uh, I think this is going to be more than the 63% threshold rush percentage that UTSA has. I think they're just going to run the ball all night. So for me, that tends to be under. Fair enough. I will have to dig into that because you make a compelling case. Um, all right, now it's time to move to our marquee games of the weekend. It's another fabulous weekend of college football. Let's check out the marquee matchups we'll all end up betting for week three. Uh, before we get to these, uh, one of the things that I that we're going to put up eventually on the action, maybe this weekend, and I'm working with some of our editors to do it, is a running log just that you can check periodically throughout the weekend during the day on Saturday. Teams that have announced that players will be out via for COVID, um, you know, maybe linked to like local stories, like 20 players are out, this many starters, which I think will provide a lot of utility uh, on the Action Network app. So keep your eye out for that. I mean, one of them that happened this week was Charlotte. And shout out to the person who knows who they are. They got into my DMs early in the week, and they were like, I know someone on the team. Reynolds was already out, their starting quarterback. They were like, the backup quarterback is going to be out for COVID. Their offensive linemen are all going to be out. So I was waiting, and I was going to hit team tote, but the game got canceled. So I, I appreciate that person reaching out, though. And that line was moving ahead of time. Again, these, this stuff is getting out. I think what's interesting yeah. about that is the story that I read is that if Charlotte didn't cancel that game when they did, next week's game would have been canceled, too. So I think we're going to see a lot of this COVID news pop on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday night and Thursday morning decisions of canceling games so that doesn't have a seven-day layover into the next week. So I think th- I think we're going to be living with this for the rest of the year. Anyways, just, yep. just that's how this stuff is happening. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great point. All right, but let's move in to just keep that in mind that when we're talking about these games, if there's a big line move after you've listened to it, it might be COVID-related. So the news is going to be key all year. But let's move into our first – marquee game of the weekend and that is an ACC battle between Syracuse and Pitt. Syracuse will travel to Pitt at BetMGM right now. Pitt is a 21 and a half point favorite over under sitting at 49 and a half. I've already played this under. I've talked about uh, I think under 51, 51 and a half. I still like it at 49 and a half. Look, we talked about Syracuse's offense. It is just dreadful. I mean, Tommy DeVito is just not it. Their offensive line is awful. They were starting like a fullback would have changed numbers to play guard. And they went up against a UNC defensive line, which is not its strength. It's its weakness of its defense. And they still couldn't do anything. DeVito threw for 112 yards on 31 attempts. You know, this circus team, they lost their top two backs also. You know, it's, it's just miserable. I mean, in that game, Syracuse had 202 total yards on 73 plays, 2.8 yards per play. And and UNC is not known for their defense. Guess who is? Pitt. Pitt is known for their defense. They have an excellent defensive line. They have NFL talent in the secondary. So I I don't know how Syracuse – Syracuse put up six points versus UNC. Yeah, they got some rust out, but they're going against a much superior defense here with the Pitt Panthers with NFL talent on that defensive roster up front in the back. I, I like this under here. Do you like anything here? I do. I, I like the under along with you. I haven't played it because 50 is my threshold. So if you didn't get 51, bet MGM right now is at 49 and a half. That would be my absolute threshold of where I would play this to. 
uh, because you're really just a special team screw up away from losing that bet. Uh, and to further Stuck's point, you know, <laughs> boy, Syracuse in this offense is uh, pretty bad. Uh, and, you know, they, they had the cover on UNC until, you know, Sam Hell came alive in the second half of that game. Uh, we should expect to see more of that from Sam Howell. You know, like I said, I project this at 50. But the thing that's kind of got me all eyeballs on this game and maybe not a whole bunch of money on this game is that Pitt ran a play every 33 seconds last week against Austin P. And that is by far 100% the slowest. I thought my eyes Snail were deceiving alert. me. Yeah, I thought my eyes were deceiving me when the calculation came out. And then I went and looked through the play log. We're running the ball like crazy in the second half because we're up 42 to zero. So is Pitt actually the slow under Mark Whipple? Or is it a result of the fact that they got up huge early in the game and they just wanted to burn clock at the end of the second quarter? They were in garbage time immediately before anybody could get some lunch. I think the one thing that backs up Stucks under is the Syracuse 335. And we talked about this last week with North Carolina. It can give quarterbacks a different look. It can it, you can you can disguise coverage. Some quarterbacks can't pick that up. What's important from the pit side is is I went through all the game logs from 2019. The only time anybody played 3-3-5 against them was Ohio in third downs. That's it. Nobody else on the schedule played a 3-3-5. Went through 2018. I got about five games into 2018. I still couldn't find a team that played a 3-3-5. So for all intents and purposes, this is the first time Whipple is coaching a quarterback at Pitt that has seen a 3-3-5 defense. So, you know, for me, uh, I, I agree completely 100%. Syracuse is, has zero explosiveness on their offensive side of the ball. The 3-3-5 actually limited North Carolina's explosiveness. You know, they did go above national average, but in North Carolina's average of explosive drives, you know, they were actually limited to what they did last year. So I agree with Stuck that this is an under game. Uh, Pitt's going to get a little confused. Maybe a first half under is a better number because of the three, three, five element again, but Syracuse is not going to contribute to this and really just screw up on special teams is what's going to burn this number. Yeah. I mean, Pitt did have Mac was out last week, a receiver. So maybe they just weren't throwing it as much. I think they ideally want to throw up, but maybe Narduzzi doesn't. So maybe they're going to right. run it more. Syracuse wants to go. We're very fast. I just think that no matter how fast they go, they're not going to do anything. Mm -hmm. There's also some excellent safeties in this game. Syracuse is a potential All-American safety, and, and Pitt has one of the best pairs of safeties in the country. Keep your eye on Hamlin and uh, Paris Ford. An excellent safety will play in the NFL, so keep your eye on them. I just don't, I just don't know what Syracuse can do on offense with that offensive line. I know Twyman, who's an NFL Cowboy player, opted out for Pitt. The defensive line is still excellent. Secondary is excellent. This is a better defense than UNC, and Syracuse looked lost against UNC. Couldn't do anything. Uh, so give me the under here. All right, let's move on to our second marquee game of the day, and that is Houston at Baylor at BetMGM. This line is Baylor minus three and a half, over under sixty-two. Uh, I personally love Houston in this spot. What this matchup means to me is I have a team that I want to ride early on in the year on the top of my bet on list in Houston. They're taking on a team in Baylor that I want to fade early on. Baylor, new coaching staff, a lot of turnover, especially on the defensive side of the ball. You know, they lost to they lost the Big Twelve Defensive Player of the Year up front on their on their off their edge. They lost an all American safety in Arnold. The defense is replacing a ton and going through a complete complete 180 as far as scheme. There's a lot of change on Baylor, and I'm looking to fade teams that are going through a lot of change after a short summer, especially on the defensive side of the ball. The offensive line still has questions. 
Uh, Brewer is back, so you have an experienced quarterback. There's some talent on the outside, but you do lose Mims, their best receiver, to the NFL. And it wasn't the offense that carried Baylor last year. It was the defense, and that defense is completely rebuilt. On the other side of the ball, Houston last year was basically a lost season. They started off 1-3 after a heartbreaking loss to Tulane. You know, then they had guys like Derek King. They had their, their senior wide receiver decide to redshirt. And there was a couple other guys that redshirted. And, and those first four games were in 18 days. The team was gassed. And then there was injuries as a result of that. And they redshirted. And they basically used the rest of the season. There was no postseason aspirations to prepare for this year. And they bring a lot of experience back. Clayton Toon got seven games in in Daner Holgerson's air raid. All of his weapons come back, his top two backs, you know, his receivers. Look out for Stevenson both at wide receiver and in the return game. He's electric. And, you know, the offensive line had a ton of injuries last year, guys moving all around. That experience should pay off this year. The defense, it's they brought in some really good transfers, uh, power five transfers that are going to help right away uh, at corner and safety. And their defense is very deep and experienced. So while the defense wasn't good last year, I think it's going to be much improved this year. So this is Houston team. I think was everything was, hey, let's get ready for 2020 last year, which is why I think there's some value. I think Baylor, living on its name a little bit, is going to struggle. I like Houston to win this game. I make it closer to a coin flip. Maybe I'm way too low on Baylor but, and, and too high on Houston, but it, it, things are lining up here for me, so give me Houston. Yeah, and and let me add to your point because I don't have a play in this game, but I don't, you know, I, I kind of I've warmed up to Houston like the last thirty six hours when you start realizing what teams that did have spring practices are doing against teams that didn't have spring practices. Houston eight spring practices before everything got canceled off. Seventy three percent of their offense returning, ninety three percent of their defense returning. Baylor zero spring practices. Dave Aranda didn't even live in Waco till like July. So it was a Zoom team for quite a while. Uh, new schemes on both sides of the ball, 32% returning production on defense. Baylor has the ingredients to be a game one flop. Uh, Houston has the ingredients to be a game one play on against the spread. The problem is, is these teams just scheduled each other a couple of days ago, right? I mean, we've had no time. Who's treating this as a scrimmage? Who's treating this as a glorified practice? Who is you know, saving, going to give you three series, an NFL exhibition game where Aaron Rodgers gets like three series and then you're going to sit. I mean, I, it's all by the seat of your pants. But to Stuck's point, Houston is the play from a continuity standpoint. And I can tell you right now that there's not that many tickets on Houston, but there is a shit ton of money. So, I mean, there's definitely people that are in the know and that like to get money down early in the week and, and are sharp and pay attention to these things. They completely agree. They have the same opinion as stuck. So uh, I will ride, probably ride with you on this. Yeah, Baylor was a team, like I said, defense first. They lost nine of their top 11 tacklers, and they're going through a, a scheme change. I, I think Houston is much more ready for this game. This game is much more important for them. While, you know, well, I think Aranda is just trying to, all right, let me get this team to where I want it to be. And, you know, they need to, they need to get some time to practice the scheme and implement new things and bring new players in. And I know William Bradley King, an Arkansas State transfer, will help off the edge. But other than that, this defense is all brand new. Um, so, you know, give me Houston going, what, 200 miles to Waco on a team that just has a ton of experience. And uh, I think the offensive line is going to be better. And you know, 16 of the top 17 tacklers returned for Houston for their 4 2 5 days. 16 of the top 17 
And they have Giovanni Stewart, who's coming in, who's going to start at nickel from West. He started West Virginia before. They have Marcus Jones, who's going to start at outside corner. He transferred from Troy. Look out for Marquez Stevenson. He's this week's Jay Adams. The most electrifying player in college football. Guess who? Jonathan Adams. That is an unbelievable catch. That is like OBJ. Quarter this time. Oh, Adams. What a play. You would have thought he was LeBron James posting up. Stop it. This is not real. This kid is amazing. He's going to have huge plays. He's going to help me pull off this upset. Unfortunately, we can't bet on Arkansas State because their game got postponed. Uh, another thing, too, is Holgerson is – he knows how to prepare a team to travel into Waco and play there. So that's another advantage for them. Good point. Hope you're enjoying this great Action Network podcast. I want to make sure you know about the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On has a daily podcast on your favorite team. Welcome to you, Locked On 49ers. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. Let's go. Locked On podcasts are hosted by the local experts who know your team better than anyone and give you the inside scoop. So go to your podcast app and search Locked On, your favorite team. Subscribe to your Locked On podcast. All right, let's move on to our final marquee game of the weekend. This one will be on prime time. Miami at Louisville. It's probably the game of the weekend, the game that will get the most attention and I think most viewership, and and rightfully so. There's a lot of talent on both sides of the ball. Louisville now is a a two-and-a-half-point favorite at BetMGM over under 64-and-a-half. Look, Louisville is an explosive offense. Last week they really dominated Western Kentucky, who had drives of 1-3 and like 34 Three-headed monster on that Louisville offense. We know Derek King's now in Miami, and Miami wants to go fast, super fast. Uh, I think there's going to be lots of points. I think this pace is going to be flying. I played some over 64 just because of that. Uh, What do you think? This is the biggest game of the week. I mean, it's the marquee game. It's everything. I want Miami desperately at three. This is two explosive quarterbacks in in King and Cunningham. Uh, This is two quarterbacks that can have breakaway speed, can make defenses flinch, and can take off. So let's break it down to what each team has already done and see if there's some sort of angle. So Miami had a 45% success rate in passing downs against UAB. That's unheard of in previous years. Miami can't do that in passing downs. They've been terrible quarterback, but you're going to give them a 45% success rate in passing downs? And by the way, UAB is not a bad defense. They're havoc-minded, and Miami looked fine, uh, kind of disposed of them. Miami's explosive drive rate, 31%. You want to know a team that's explosive? Look at their explosive drive rate, 31%. That 31% may not mean anything, but consider the national average for explosive drives is 12%, more than two and a half times of the explosive drive percentage. Louisville, explosive drive rate is 17%. Above national average, not as great. Three offensive linemen last week put up a 0% and beaten off the block against Western Kentucky. This is a good offensive line again. To me, this game is about Western Kentucky is a top 20 defense last year. Oh, shit, yeah. Success rate, I think it was 17 Really good on Louisville's they're, – they're still running steamrolling people. This game, to me, is about limiting explosive plays. UAB had zero explosive drives against Miami. Now, there was some plays that busted loose, but an explosive drive is defined by averaging uh, 10 yards per play in a drive. Western Kentucky had 222 hidden yards on Louisville. Like I said before, that's based on starting field position and penalty yards. Western Kentucky was 45% success rate and passing downs. Does that sound familiar? Miami just went 45% success rate in passing downs. Western Kentucky's offense was able to do that against Louisville. 
what does that tell me? The De'Ara King is going to be able to sit back on a third and nine, on a second and eight, and assess. And if it's a busted play and he needs to take off, he's going to be home free. It's a little bit different for the Canes defense. Cunningham was contained to twenty-five in a 25-point loss last year. Diaz had different faces. Manny Diaz, head coach of Miami, he had different faces on defense, but still he knew how to teach them to make open field tackles on Cunningham. He, I think Cunningham was minus 10 yards. I know their sacks are in there. He had a long of 17, but overall he was minus 10 yards. Miami defense was all over him. So Miami finally has a stable punter. They had him last year. Now they have a stable kicker, uh, transfer Borregales. Uh One for one on his field goals, four for four on his PATs. For me, I love that I'm getting the better special teams, but I think I'm getting the more explosive quarterback that is going to expose the defense in passing downs with Miami and De'Ara King, give it to me all day. If I can get that three, it's going to be a very large play coming through the action app. Yeah, I still have questions about the one of the reasons I I don't mind flying this over here. I know Miami's going to go fast. I think I don't think Miami is going to shut down Louisville, and I think Miami is going to score on Louisville's defense. And I know UAB didn't do anything. There was opportunities there, and UAB. If you go back and watch that game, they had about nine or ten illegal formation penalties i mean i'm not even kidding it was like eight or nine illegal formation illegal shift on like first and second down they were way behind the sticks miami knew what was coming in passing downs and it just it, it was an awful awful sloppy performance by uab so i didn't come away really impressed with the miami defense which i which does have some questions but the miami i know that the miami offense is gonna fly uh, they, Lashley and company, they want to go fast. So you make a great case. I'll be on the over. Maybe I'll join you if it gets to three, the U. All right, so that wraps up our marquee games of the week. Uh, it's time to get to the best of the rest. Uh, we'll start out with uh, a game that I love and hopefully gets played in Florida Atlantic, catching now one and a half at Georgia Southern. I, at that MGM right now, over under 47 and a half. I played Georgia Southern Moneyline and plus three and a half. I made them a favor before all these questions with FAU. They missed, there was a missed practice on Tuesday due to a COVID outbreak. Who knows what's going to happen here? Also, you have to remember Georgia Southern, who just beat Campbell by one last week, they had 33 players out for that game, including eight starters. That includes their all-conference running back, Wesley Kennedy, their all-conference safety, Kendrick Duncan, their best player on defense, C.J. Wright, their nose guard, is like the key to their defense, uh, and eight starters overall. So, you know, I don't take too much from that. Georgia Southern really struggled last year on the offensive line, but they bring everyone back on the offensive line. They address their center woes. They snap problems with a transfer. They bring everyone back on that offense, 100% of their rushing yards in that triple option offense. Uh, so I think they're going to be fine, assuming that all these players come back, which from what I read, there was only one positive test and it was more tracing related. So I think that they will be back for this game. And Florida Atlantic actually has way more uncertainty. Georgia Southern has also already played a game, which we've talked about, uh, even if they had 33 players out. Well, Florida Atlantic hasn't, and they're missing practices the week of a game that they have to prepare for a triple option. Take move all that away. FAU is a team I wanted to fade early on in the season anyway. Lane Kiffin left. They brought in Willie Taggart as a new head coach. Uh, you know, he takes over a team that won its conference last year, but there's a ton of turnover. Chris Robeson, the, their quarterback, 
who may have been conference player of the year. He's gone. He got booted off the team. I think he got booted off of Oklahoma a couple years ago yes. as well. <laughs> yes. um, so I don't know what's going on with him. But former Indiana Hoosier Nick Tronti won the job. He does have a loaded backfield. He's got town on the outside. However, they lost their top receiver. They lost their tight end to the NFL. And they lost two all-conference offensive linemen. So you expect some growing pains on the offense. Then let's move to the defensive side. Jim Levitt takes over the defense. He's going to move them from a four-man front to his vintage 3-4 defense. And there's a ton of turnover here. Seven of their top eight tacklers from the defensive line are gone. Let's move to the linebackers. Pretty important against the triple option. Well, the two best linebackers, well, the three best linebackers are gone. Rashad Smith graduated. Leroy, who was suspended for the bowl game, who's one of their best linebackers, he's been ruled ineligible. And Barnwell tra- hit the transfer portal. So, you know, then they also have an inexperienced secondary. So this defense moving to a new scheme, no practice this week, lost everything in their front seven trying to play this triple option. The FAU defense also, you want to have a regression candidate? FAU. Last year, they led the nation in takeaways and turnovers. They so much fumble luck, so much interception luck. You can expect the regression monster to come for them. So Georgia Southern, when healthy, a team that I think could take the next step this year, FAU going through a lot of changes, a lot of turnover. Now you have these COVID questions. Assuming FAU's health, assuming Georgia Southern's healthy, I love them here. I'm going to tell you, my finger was over the button. You got a great number. I saw it come through on the Action app, which if you have not downloaded, download. And when we make bets, you'll be able to see them right away. Stucky got a great number on Georgia Southern. My finger was over the betting button. But the problem was, is I wanted to go through each one of the 33 players and see how important they were to the team. It seemed like the entire town of Statesboro uh, was out for contact tracing. Of the 33 uh, Georgia Southern players that were out last week, three of them were in the top seven for tacklers for 2019. So that would explain some of the success that Campbell probably had, especially the kind of quarterback they have. I I agree with Stuck here. The the problem is is Florida Atlantic has just been all caught up in the COVID problem. Multiple times stopped practice in August. Didn't even have practice on Tuesday uh, of this week. (laughs) Uh, Florida Atlantic has had so many COVID issues. That leads me to wonder if how physical they're being in their practices. How is the contact tracing going? Are they doing a Navy where some groups are with others? Are they paired off into duos, which I've seen some practices do with some teams? There's just way too many question marks from a new coach, new coordinators, uh, new quarterback. Tronti, by the way, uh, Redshirt Jr., won that quarterback position over three others, one of them being Willie Taggart Jr., uh, so if we get the quick hook here on Tronti, we may see Willie Taggart Jr. running the running the, uh, under center here. So uh, to me, there was a ton of question marks. Are these players coming back for Georgia Southern? Florida Atlantic is had as rough of a bout with COVID as Tulsa has. Uh, so it, that's two things to keep your eye on. I do know that everybody is on this Georgia Southern number. Uh, that's why it's driven down. It's at minus two and a half at BetMGM right now. Uh, I would not be surprised to see Georgia Southern as a one-point favorite come Saturday morning. So if you got a good number, stick to it and hold on to it. I think Georgia Southern's going to get have a, a lot more success with the triple option. They're going to play a lot better defense, getting three of their top seven tacklers back from last year. I mean, it really all depends on how many players Florida Atlantic has. We're not going to know until the Owls hit the field. I'm very confident in Georgia Southern here, and there's, I think, much more variance on the Florida Atlantic side for who can be out. Um, so, yeah, Georgia Southern's already one-and-a-half-point favorite at BetMGM. 
The NFL season is upon us, and our friends at BetMGM Sports are offering Action Network podcast listeners a great sign-up offer. Just make your first deposit using the bonus code ACTIONPOD and receive a 100% deposit match up to $500. They've got parlay bonus payouts, live betting markets, daily odds boosts, all sorts of great stuff. So download the BetMGM app today or visit BetMGM.com to sign up and use the code ACTIONPOD to double your bankroll with a 100% deposit match up to $500. As a reminder, you must be 21 or older and physically located in the great states of Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, or West Virginia. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia, or 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promo offer not available in Nevada. And now, back to the show. All right, let's go rapid fire before we get to three and out. Uh, I'm going to go through about four or five games. You give me uh, one or two sentence thoughts on them. Let's start with Navy at Tulane at BetMGM. Navy is a now a six-and-a-half-point underdog at Tulane. We know Navy looked awful in their first game, couldn't even tackle BYU. We know Tulane has seen the option a lot over the years. Uh, I think you have a nice-looking middle here per the app. What do you see here? Yeah, the number came out Navy plus eight. I was happy to get on that because I knew it would drop because of what people would perceive to think that Navy's going to get it back after two weeks and be physical. They just started padded practices six days ago. You can't really regain your physicality. Plus, they couldn't stop BYU from jumping the gaps. And, and if you're playing triple option football, you have to keep defenders out of your gaps. Enter Tulane. That defensive line dominated South Alabama in the second half. They had 12 tackles for loss. Uh, Tulane's defensive line is the reason that they were able to come back and win the second half 21 to 10. I love Tulane's offense. It took them a half to get uh, ready with Will Hall uh, and, and their offensive. It, you know, they had to, they returned only 30% on offense. So it took them a while to get it going. But the defensive line of Tulane is always in people's backfield. And that is a bad formula for Navy football right now. Yeah. And they're very familiar with the option, uh, the triple option, which they see uh, every year. And they've run like a, form of it in the past of the spread option so we want to you're a team in your backyard but a lot of uncertainty mm-hmm. tulsa traveling to oak state oak state 23 and a half point favorites at bet mgm lay it here with the pokes or stay away yeah i think you have to lay it here with the pokes and i know some sharp people out in vegas that have been texting me saying every time tulsa gets to 24 i'm gonna go take a hit on it. and that's true every time we've seen it flicker at 24 uh it takes a hit and that's just because people are playing numbers tulsa has had a hell of a time. I mean, a couple miles here from my house, a hell of a time with COVID. Stopped practice multiple times in August. August 29th was their first padded practice. That's crazy. And they've stopped practice yet again since that August 29th. They've had six padded practices. That's it for Tulsa. I don't know how you could be physical in this game. And let's take a look at it from what they lose on the defensive side of the ball. No player on this TU defense had more than two sacks or nine hurries. That is a huge loss on the defensive side of the ball. We know all about Oklahoma State. Gundy's been bashing their brains in. He said to the media, to the Oklahoman, he said, I want to play up-tempo and I want to play physical. Uh, listen, Tulsa has just had a really rough time with COVID, and I do not think this is a spot to start getting contrarian. All right, I'm going to make everyone really angry here. Uh, after the flop that we had on Middle Tennessee State in the opener against Army, and they look like they never played football before. They've had two weeks to prepare now for a Troy team. It was a terrible defense. They have all their weapons back, but a new quarterback, Gunnar Watson, they lost their quarterback. Uh, 
do we buy low on Middle Tennessee State here, catching over a field goal? Because I've been very close to pulling the trigger many times. Are they going to remember how to play football? You should play Middle Tennessee State plus three and a half. This is a complete overreaction. I think what I want to dive a little bit more into here in the next 36 hours before we get off to kickoff is how are they going to handle the extremely fast pace of Troy and Chip Lindsey? So um, Middle Tennessee, numbers-wise, is the play. Troy hasn't played a game. Middle Tennessee has. Didn't score any points. But at least they played a game. Uh, numbers a complete overreaction. I might, I'm gun-shy, but I might end up pulling the trigger because uh, I agree with you. And you'd think if Middle Tennessee State has some pride over the past two weeks, <laughs> they would be doing everything they could Remember when Asher O'Hara had 2,000 yards throwing and 1,000 yards rushing, and it was, it was the greatest, and now all of a sudden they're dog shit. Three-and-a-half-point underdogs to, to Troy? Come yeah, on. I mean, if Middle Tennessee State can't do anything against this Troy defense, uh, they just write them off and fade them into oblivion. All right, a couple other games to capture here. We got to mention UTEP. We're talking Minor Nation. Out in the West Texas town of El Paso. Picks up. Minor Nation, I hope we hear from you this weekend on the voicemails. They're playing Abilene Christian. Are you going to be looking for Abilene, or is it first game versus third game here? You're a little too worried. Yeah, I'm definitely looking at the under here. Abilene Christian is no greater than Stephen F. Austin. Uh, That game ended, what, 38 points? Uh, Abilene, uh, you know, like I said, they're kind of a mystery. Uh, They finished five and seven last year. They lost players on the depth chart to graduation and opt-outs. They do have a quarterback returning, Samaj Davis. He rushed for 621 yards. That's going to give UTEP some problems because Dimmel came out this week and said, we took bad angles and had bad tackling and and we're going to get it corrected. You're UTEP. How have you not figured out how to tackle? How are you still taking bad angles? It's your second game of the year, not even your – so you think he'd have this figured out, but, you know, Abilene's nothing to write home about. Uh, game should probably be a coin flip. So it's to, to be determined. I might end up on Abilene Christian as this is the latest game on the slate. Texas State, Brady McBride update. They're going to ULM, who is just an absolute disaster and got railroaded by Army. Anything there? No, nothing for me. I mean, they're still struggling from a defensive coordinator perspective. Brady McBride not cleared as of Wednesday, but practicing with the ones. Uh, Spavadol is not being specific about the protocols that are in place. Won't say if he had COVID or if it was contact tracing. What I do know is that SMU ran for 177 yards on the Texas State defense, and UTSA just had their way with this Texas State defense. ULM will not have a vice grip of limited possessions put on them like what Army did. So I expect ULM to have some success here. But if Brady McBride is playing, I'm going to stick with my bet. If he's out for this game, you're going to see me buy off fast, real fast. Yeah, I can't bring myself to bed, ULM. All right, before we go three and out, let's get a little FC yes or no. Southland or SEC? Big Sky or Big Ten? It's time to play FC yes or no. The Citadel, some of you might remember... The Citadel led Bama at the half. Ah, oh, Twitter was electric then. Now they will take on Clemson. Uh, any thoughts here? You know, looking at the last time Clemson faced a, a real triple option offense, you know, because it's been a while for Georgia Tech. I think 45 is is a little bit too much, actually. I'm not – I mean, listen, Clemson's defense, I think, may be the best in the country, especially in the front seven. They're going to plug the gaps on Citadel. and should prevent them from scoring. But crazier things have happened. I think Dabo treats this – as an exhibition game, as he did before. 
I think the better play is probably the under 57 and a half or maybe Citadel under their team total. Cause I, I really feel like the defense is going to play their part in this game, but it's all cruise control and base plays from the second string and the second quarter for Clemson. Yeah. I might look, look at some uh, Citadel second half. Um, all right. Before we get out of here, let's go three and out. One, two, three. Let's make it a quick three and out. All right, first down, we have some Friday Night Lights. Let's hear it, gentlemen. Clear eyes, full hearts. Let's go play some football. This year, we have limited weekday games. Maybe we're going to get the Mac, uh, and they'll give us some November weekday games. But we do have one Friday night game. It involves the Campbell University Camels from Bowie's Creek, North Carolina. Uh, I'll do the Humpty Hump. Come on, I'll do the Humpty Hump. The Campbell Fighting Camels. Roll humps. Almost pulled off the upset against Georgia Southern last week. Last week was unbelievable. And to now be on ESPN, it's nothing like that. Major FBS programs don't get on ESPN. Friday night, man, it's, it's an unbelievable opportunity for us. And we're thankful for it. They will now take on Coastal Carolina this week who pulled off the upset against Kansas last week on Friday night, these two teams will meet. Take it away, Colin. Listen, if you're, if you know who Campbell is, then you must be a college baseball fan. They made the college world series. uh, Well, not Omaha portion. They made the regionals last two years. So we know who the Campbells are and I've got plenty more Campbell gifs queued up and ready to roll, but let's talk about Campbell football. Uh, Their quarterback, Haj Malik Williams, if you have not gotten eyes on this kid, he is a true dual threat. He is amazing at quarterback, and he's going to give Coastal more problems than Kansas could ever dream. But let's get down to what the bet is for me. I'll have an article going up tomorrow. You can get a full game preview, sides, totals, everything on Action Network. Let's just break it down and say that you should go read that. But my bet for, for the podcast here is based upon the fact that Campbell averaged 20 seconds, 27 seconds per play. Coastal Carolina averaged 30.4 seconds per play. Coastal was handed that game on a platter. Their starting field position was at the 40. They had, you know, turnover city, havoc all over Kansas. Kansas couldn't have made Coastal look any better. And do you know how many explosive drives Coastal had? None. So Kansas made them look extremely good, but they weren't explosive. And these aren't up-tempo teams. And considering that Sally just dumped a whole bunch of water and the wind is projected to be over, you know, double-digit winds. It could mess with the kicking game. I'm taking it under here. Some of the – we will have – it looks like we're going to have college basketball. But no, uh, Thanksgiving Eve, it's going to start uh, is the announcement, which is, makes me very happy. And we'll have college basketball podcast here as well. Campbell co- – you said college baseball. College basketball yeah. fans will also know Campbell. For Chris Clemens, who recently graduated, he's the third – all-time leading scorer in college basketball history. Oh, and by the way, before we move on to second down, make sure you subscribe, unsubscribe, rate, review. It really helps us out. And uh, when you go to look at our podcast episode, don't forget about that link to the free contest for a shot to win a trip to Vegas. All right, let's move on to second down, and let's talk favorite overdogs. It's called the overdog parlay. It's basically our favorite favorite of the week. Uh, I'll start. I'm going Western Kentucky minus 14. I know the offense looked really bad last week. They had like a, a fumbled punt. They recovered inside the three. They, all, their, all their scoring drives were like under 30 yards. But they were playing a really good Louisville team, and their defense really showed out. 
D'Angelo Malone, by the way, who I mentioned last week, is All-American caliber, will play in the NFL defensive end. He had eight tackles, a sack, three and a half tackles for a loss. Stud. We know the Western Kentucky defense is awesome. Top 20 caliber. They bring everything back. The offense brings a lot back, too. The only question was Pigram at quarterback. You know, you have Walker in the backfield, all-conference potential back. Pigram could run the ball. He was kind of iffy throwing it. But he was going against, you know, a power five team. He now gets the Liberty defense. Huge step down. And this Liberty team, I mean, they have a new – look, they, they set records on offense last year. But guess who's gone? Buckshot Calvert. You know, Gandy Golden is now on the Redskins. The running back kicks in their four-year starter, Duff, at guard. All the senior cornerstones of that record-setting offense are gone. They also have, you know, so their new quarterback's Malik Willis. I think they have an or listed, but I think they're going to go with Willis, who's an Auburn transfer. Just a lot of questions. And then on defense, they only returned four starters. They had, due to, you know, racial insensitivity, there was a couple corners who were really good, some of their highest recruits. They decided to leave the program in the summer. I've said to these young people repeatedly, and I say it again, you are the hope of America. When you leave the graduation platform of Liberty, I want you to leave it running. Leave it running with a vision burning in your soul. The linebackers are really bad, which might end up dooming them against Western Kentucky. And again, Western Kentucky played Louisville last week. This is Liberty's first game. And something else to keep in mind, Liberty doesn't have a kicker. I mean, they have a kicker, but they don't have a kicker. Probert transferred to, I believe, Iowa State. Hugh Freeze recently said, like, we don't have a kicker. We're just going to, like, go for it a lot. You don't cuss. You don't drink. So what are your vices? I have been known to uh, to chew a bit of tobacco when I get a little tired or watching film. So with <laughs> a new sorry. quarterback, a new, a new quarterback, a brand-new offense going against this Western Kentucky defense, there you, you might get a number of fourth-down stops, which I think oh. can lead to points for Western Kentucky. So Hugh Freeze is back at it again. Liberty doesn't have a kicker, apparently. Like, they have one, but they don't trust him. So that should be interesting to watch. I'm laying the 14. Wouldn't lay anything more than that, but that's my favorite overall of the week. Give me the tops. There's, a, there's always a new chapter with this Liberty team, especially with Hugh Freeze there. I think one thing to keep an eye on in that game is there was a statement that came out of Liberty's practices where uh, I believe Freeze said they, they want to be the fastest team in the country, way faster than they've ever been, and the fastest in the country. So keep your eyes on that with that total. Uh, I'm going to pivot. I actually thought I was going to go Central Florida or Oklahoma State on this podcast. I'm not. I'm going SMU. Uh, if you look and see what Houston Baptist did to this North Texas defense, it was unbelievable. I think 600 yards of offense and just running at light speed. When Han Solo puts the Millennium Falcon in warp speed, that's what this game is going to be between the air raid of SMU going up against North Texas. Uh, you know, defense be gone. Although, def- uh, you know, SMU, I think, can play defense here. I think they will have stops against North Texas. Uh, North Texas's defense is really just 11 lawn chairs lined up to look like a 4-3. It, it's not going to be able to stop anything what Sonny Dykes is trying to do with SMU. Look for a good number. Bet MGM is at 14 right now. I would approve that. Uh, I think we make the game 20 in action for a projection. But really, this is just going to be a warp speed fest. And if you know anything about air raid offenses, they like to stay in rhythm. So they are tend to stay on the field more and not cut games short. So I expect to get at least three quarters, maybe into the fourth quarter, even if it's like a 35-point lead. So give me SMU and my overdog. 
there you have it smu and western kentucky all right and before we get out of here finally it's our favorite money line underdogs of the week turning good weekends into great weekends it's time for the money line parlay last week i somehow hit arkansas state shout out to Jay Adams again this young man is an absolute freak even though they were out eight starters and Colin almost made it a double with South Alabama, who blew a late lead against Tulane. Um, so for anyone who parlayed them, that 19-1 to 1 was very close. You would have obviously have a sh- many shots to profit uh, if you did parlay them. So for this week, I was going to go Georgia Southern, but they're now pretty much a favorite, so not going there. Houston, very good choice in my opinion. But I'm going to go with BC. I like the upside of this. I'm going to be a complete hypocrite. They haven't played a game yet. They're going through all kinds of changes they're playing a Duke team that played last week against Notre Dame. But I like the upside of this team. And I wasn't overly impressed with Duke. They came out, you know, they kind of showed their hand what they're going to do. They were running no huddle early. They dominated the first quarter and then kind of faded away. But I love the hire of Jeff Halfley. He's one of the – at BC, he's one of the most brilliant defensive minds in all of football, especially in the secondary. And they have some, you know, transfers coming in that I think are going to help. But I think he's just going to improve that secondary, which is a huge weakness last year significantly. The linebacker group is a strength. They all come back. It's just going to transform that secondary to a much more productive unit. They did lose A.J. Dillon at running back, but they got Bailey coming back, and they have an excellent offensive line. Uh, It's one of the best in the ACC. They have two or three guys that could be all ACC, and they have two quarterbacks listed on the depth chart. They might go with two. They haven't named the starter yet. Dennis Grosseau started last year, and Phil Jerkovich, which is why I'm betting this game. I love this kid. Notre Dame transfer. I hope they go with him. Yeah, he throws a beautiful deep ball. Um, I think he could take this offense to the next level with Bailey running the ball and that excellent offensive line. Look out for Jalen Gill, four-star Oklahoma State transfer. They're going to use him in the backfield. They're going to use him as a receiver, just an explosive player. So I think that this, this BC team has high upside. It can go really wrong, and there's a lot of change, but I think it's a good underdog money line piece uh, for this weekend against Duke. So uh, give me the Eagles. Last week, I went with a dog that was an 11-point underdog. This week, not so much, kind of a weak underdog. I'm going to stick with Miami for everything that I said earlier in the podcast. I think De'Ara King is going to show us why why I ran to Vegas and was betting him on Heisman numbers when he was playing for Houston. Uh, I've believed in that kid forever. So uh, I'm going to stick with Miami. I think the defense steps up and stops Cunningham. Uh, and hopefully you and I cash this uh, underdog money line parlay. There you have it. That'll wrap it up for us. Thank you for listening. Thank you, as always, for joining, Colin. Uh, we will be back. If you haven't checked out our NFL Week 2 betting preview episode, which came out on Thursday morning, make sure you do that. Colin and I will be back with a football recap and Monday night football preview on Monday morning. Make sure you subscribe, rate, review, and don't forget about that contest sponsored by BetMGM. Link is in the description. And speaking of BetMGM, they do also have a great sign-up offer for this weekend's Texans-Ravens game. Customers can bet $1 and win $100 in free bets if Baltimore Houston just scores a touchdown. That's all they have to do. You just sign up, make your first bet using bonus code ACTION100. That's ACTION100. All you have to do is download the BetMGM app or visit BetMGM.com. Sign up, use the code ACTION100 to bet $1.00 and win $100 in free bets if there's simply a touchdown scored in the Ravens-Texans game. 
And as a reminder, you must be 21 or older and physically located in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, or West Virginia. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado or Nevada. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia. Or if you're in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Promo offer, unfortunately, is not available in Nevada. Uh, So thanks again. Thanks for listening. Good luck on your wages this weekend. SCC is back next weekend. Can't wait to get to week four, but let's have a profitable week three first. Catch you all later. Cheers. Ciao. We're finished talking.